Hey, 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 Diet Riders. Welcome back to the Diet Riot Podcast. I'm Alyssa Miller. I'm Brooke Miller. We're both dietitians. Oh, you took it. We're both (laughs) moms. We're both from the Midwest. We both live in Denver. And we're both still quarantined. I totally like cannot. It's like that any mini miny mo thing. Like, where is it going to land? It's the like same bubble rhyme. gum, bubble gum <laughs> in a dish. <laughs> how many, how many pieces would you do? You wish? Shit, what is it? All these do you like, wish? I don't know. All any of you kids who, who grew up in the nineties, you know what we're talking about. You're singing along with us. Why can't I get yes. past any mini miny mo? Oh, catch a tiger by its toe. By the toe. If you holler, let him go. Any mini miny mo. Yeah. Yes. Oh, gosh, man. I We're remember good. that. And I remember just like, keep going. If it ever landed on me, I'd be like, well, there's another verse. Let me just keep going. Yeah. Let me just <laughs> add in a word. Here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Hey, guys, welcome to the podcast. This is what we're talking about today. 90s sayings. No, I'm just yes. joking. But 90s. that is so funny. That Oh, man, the 90s. What a what a time. What a time to be what alive. What a good time. I mean, it's, better, good time. Than 20, it's better than 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Make me live, relive the 90s. Oh, this podcast wouldn't be possible, though, you guys. Okay, well, this kind of ties in, you guys. This is not on purpose, but it ties in to the whole idea of raising intuitive eaters, which is what we're talking about today. So Mm -hmm. whether you're parenting now or you've parented in the past, in the 90s, maybe even. um, And we wanted to talk a little bit about how we were raised maybe necessarily with our moms and that relationship and how we can perpetuate that or break that cycle. So we're going to be talking all about that today. This is actually part two of an episode that we started two weeks ago. So go back and tune into that episode all about having a family around intuitive eating or um, living with other people who are going to affect your relationship to food and all about how intuitive eating although very personal, is really not done in isolation. So go tune into that episode if you haven't already. And from there, come back and finish this episode when you're done. But yeah, so we're chatting all about how to raise these intuitive eaters. And Brooke actually brought up a really good point of talking more about and investigating more into ourselves of how were you raised with your parents around the table? Like, what did that look like for you? And is there any leftover kind of baggage with how you were raised around the table. Were you made to finish your plate? Were you made to eat something that you hated? Were you um, forced you know, to eat? Were you allowed to just come and go as you please or eat whenever you want or graze throughout the day? Like really some introspection here on that, right? Yeah, I think like some questions to ask yourself, like, did you grow up in a household where one of your parents was chronically dieting? Were they eating different foods than you were eating? Did they talk about foods as good or bad? Did you have junk food in your house or was it not allowed? I mean, we all grew up in very different environments. And so it's it's interesting to see like how we all stem from that and then how we're all going to go and raise our kids. Like sometimes we don't break the cycle. Sometimes we grew up doing Weight Watchers with our mom and starting when we were 10 or 12. And then we just grew up thinking that we always needed to do something like Weight Watchers. And if we don't break that cycle, we're going to continue doing that with our kids. And a lot of times we end up getting our kids on diet at a younger and younger age, which if you've listened to our podcast long enough, you know um, that that can be really dangerous to get our kids on diets or fad diets or weight cycling or, you know, trying to restrict 
things for our kids. And so we have to really introspect and look, look at where we came from, where these food rules um, started and why our relationship with food is the way it is. And a lot of times if we don't do any work on that, we do repeat a lot of, um, a lot of the cycle that we maybe don't want to or intend to. Yeah. I think, um, you know, that's a really good point. Like how we were raised is going to be our baseline. So unless we are actively fighting against that or breaking certain habits that we were raised around, that's going to be our baseline because it's how we were raised. It's the only thing we were possibly even exposed to. So of course, that's going to be our baseline. I actually have like kind of a funny story. It's not necessarily related to dieting or eating. Well, it is eating actually. But when I first got married, my husband witnessed me doing something really, really freaking funny. And I want you to reach out to us on Instagram if you did this as well when you were first married married or whenever you moved out on your own. But um, our yeah. Instagram is at diet.rioters. So let me know if this is something you've done. Okay, we first got married and I made some sweet potato black, re- black bean burgers. I was super mm. excited about them. And when I put everything on the table, I took my ketchup, my mustard, our pickle relish, our onions, our tomatoes, our lettuce, everything, and put them in their own individual bowls and put them all out on the table. So I'm talking a tiny little bowl of ketchup I had put on the table, not just the whole ketchup bottle. This is just me and my husband eating dinner. I had everything in their own bowls. And my husband looked at me like I was growing a third head. He was a third, a second head. I only have one head, you guys. A third head. A third. All right. You guys don't have two heads? No, um, well, you're thinking he, of men. Sorry, I had to like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa made this explicit. You guys, you guys, Alyssa made our podcast explicit officially. Official, you guys. So now we can swear and now we can say penis jokes. So I'm sorry if you're listening with your kids. They're going to learn what a penis is. Put in your AirPods, okay? Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. What do you mean they have two heads, mom? Mommy. Okay. Good luck. Refocusing here. So I had all these tiny little bowls with condiments like in the bowl, like not in the container. And my husband was so confused. He was like, what the heck? It just happened. And I was like, what do you mean? This is how you serve dinner. And it's because my mom did it. Because I grew up with my mom putting each individual condiment in a bowl on the table and then that's where we pulled it from (laughs) which is so wasteful and so much more time consuming I don't know why she did it I love her very dearly but what the heck and it was so funny to like all of a sudden be lifted out it was like an out-of-body experience like yeah what the hell am I doing why am I doing this and it's because it's my baseline it's how I was raised it's what I saw my mom doing at the table so I thought that's how you do it and I just started following suit and it's not until we are actively asking questions about how we were raised how we want to raise our kids how we want to parent how we want to show up at the dinner table or wherever in your life where we can actually start to break these cycles because otherwise everything is going to be at baseline so mm-hmm. I think this is really important to get introspective and to think about how we were raised around the table, like Brooke said, were they dieting regularly? Is that something I was exposed to at a young age? How did that affect me? How does that affect my relationship with food now? And we've seen it time and time again, you guys, with people that we work with and just our people listening to this podcast, reach out to us and let us know that, oh yeah, this came from my mom. Or I watched my mom drink Mm -hmm. a Slim Fast instead of eating dinner with us. Or she made comments about the food I was eating. And let me clarify, this is well-intended they love you. Okay. They care about you, but what they were doing, you can love them and understand that they have their own food struggles and also actively choose something different for you and your family. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. 
very well put. Very well put. Yeah, no, I think it's it's so important because a lot of us and and you you know better, you do better. So it's not to mm-hmm. say that our parents were wrong for teaching us the clean your plate method. I mean, that is just what the norm was. I think and it's so what they knew. Us, and probably yeah, what their so parents many, did. Exactly. So many of us grew up in a clean your plate mindset and like no junk food in the house because it's bad for you and that's bad food and you shouldn't eat that. And um, I think just so many of us grew up in that environment because they didn't know better. And so they didn't have now, podcasts. They didn't have know, the internet back in the, the early books, 80s, I mean, 90s. Intuitive, <laughs> intuitive eating was written in the 90s, but like it didn't, people didn't really know about it until later on. And so you just, you do the best you can as a parent. So no judgment. I mean, we've all made mistakes as parents and as people. Ugh, yes. Like absolutely still am actively. Yeah, we could do plenty of podcasts on all the ways we fucked up. So. Uh-huh. Seriously. It, wait. Oh, yep, we have. We've talked about it. In almost every single episode, we talk about how we were doing the exact same things that we're saying, okay, from yeah. now on, we're going to be doing this. Like, we are so right here with you guys. Um, mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, I have a whole other arena that I talk to, and that's two moms on Instagram under Mom and Me RD. So I love speaking to women directly through diet rioters and teaching food freedom and regaining that ability to eat intuitively. I think that's so important, and it's where my passion lies. But I also think it's super important to break this cycle, which the only way that I see that really happening effectively is to teach moms how to raise intuitive eaters as well. So I have that whole side of my business as well, Mama and Me RD on Instagram, where I teach moms how to raise intuitive eaters, how to stop picky eating, because really picky eating is kind of what I found like the springboard in to diet culture or this like mentality of your parents restricting food and giving you certain food and putting food on different pedestals, it usually happens around the picky eating phase. So I talk all about that. Mm -hmm. So I'm well-versed. I love chatting about how to raise intuitive eaters. And I want to give you guys some actionable tips on how to take this to your table at home and how to make sure you're raising intuitive eaters at home. First Mm -hmm. and foremost, babies are born to be intuitive. Outside of a severe medical condition, they are going to have a biological drive to eat and they're going to be in tune with their hunger and fullness cues. So we need to give them space and a safe place to learn how to manage those hunger and fullness cues and how to listen to them. So diet culture comes in when mom and dad start to intervene and kind of violate those hunger and fullness cues and tell the child, nope, you're not full yet, keep eating. Or nope, you can't be hungry yet. Or you just ate an entire bag of crackers. There's no way you're still hungry. We try to tell them how they feel. You cannot, I know you know your child. I'm not saying you do not know them well, but you cannot feel if they're hungry or full. You can't. You can guess. You can make an educated guess. You can look at them and say, I know how much you typically eat, so this doesn't look exactly right. But that is an educated guess. That is not knowing how they feel. Just like you can't do that for anyone else in your life, you can't do it for your kids. So you set up these boundaries. And the first thing I want to teach you guys about is the division of responsibility. This is basically the large umbrella that raising an intuitive eater all sits underneath. So the division of responsibility is saying that there are roles at the table that you play as the parent and the child plays as the child. This starts from age zero. Like if you're breastfeeding Mm -hmm. your kid, you'll learn that they will turn their head when they're full. They will root when they're hungry. It starts at zero. 
that the division of responsibility always applies. And honestly, even in life, like as an adult, (laughs) like, so as the parent, you're in charge of what goes on the plate. So you get to choose what foods come into your home and what goes on the plate, when your child eats and where. And then once those decisions are made, your child is in charge of if they eat the food that's presented on the plate and how much. So Mm -hmm. that's the division of responsibility. It's super key to getting the rest of it like all right. Okay. Like if you don't have this in place, it's going to be really hard because you're going to be constantly violating that division of responsibility. If you're telling them to continue eating, take three more bites, you can't have more crackers. You can't have more grapes until you finish X, Y, or Z. That's all violation of the division of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so, it's so important. I mean, if you're a mom, it's like, you really have to focus on your relationship with food in your body. And then after that, you know, then you can really focus on your kids and teaching your kids, um, all of these things, because it's, it's important to have both. I mean, if you're chronically dieting and you're trying to raise an intuitive eater, it's not going to work well and vice versa. Like you can't, you know, focus on you becoming an intuitive eater and then like forcing your kids to clean their plate all the time and forcing them to eat when they're not hungry. And so it's, it's like, it goes both ways. They're so intertwined. And so that is why Alyssa and I like, yes, we have diet writers. We want to help, you know, all people who are struggling with food and body image with the diet right podcast and our diet writers membership. But, um, Alyssa and I on our own, like we're really focused on in focusing in on moms. So Alyssa loves to help parents, you know, teach their kids how to be intuitive eaters, how to raise um, kids who are struggling with picky eating. And then my mission is not to work with kids themselves, um, but to work on moms and their relationship with food and body so that in turn, that is going to rub off on their kids as they raise them. And like I said, like, you can't just do one and not the other. You have to work on both. Um, if you want to raise intuitive eaters and be an intuitive eater, I mean, you have to work on both. And so a lot of people just jump into like, oh, I want my kid to not be a picky eater anymore, but then they're chronically dieting and they're not eating what um, everybody in the family's eating. And so our kids pick up on that. They, they pick up on our, um, our words and our actions. And so I think it is so important that you can't neglect yourself um, either. I think so many of us as moms, we are so focused on the kids and we focus in on like the kids need to eat, they need to eat enough, they need to grow, they need to gain weight. And we totally neglect ourselves. We neglect our mental, um, like how we're doing mentally, physically, emotionally. And we're just like scraping by and maybe not eating enough and maybe not fueling ourselves enough. And then we're any other moms out there skip breakfast? Because yeah. I sure do. It's so hard to get freaking breakfast on the table for all it's of us. It's so hard. hard. And my it son is. decides it... he's going to eat all the eggs in the house. And I'm like, okay, great. I'll just have this scrap over here. Okay, Yeah, it's, 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 hard. it's hard. It's so yeah. hard. And it's not to say that you're never going to like – we're all going to accidentally skip a meal or we're going to be so crazy that we like don't get to eat on time. And I mean, that's Mm -hmm. totally normal as a parent, but um, we don't want to get to the point where we're totally neglecting our relationship with food and our body to just focus on our kids and vice versa. We don't want to only focus on ourselves and then neglect our kids and their relationship with food and body. So yeah, it's, it's important. I mean, we as moms have such a big responsibility in general keeping our kids alive. I don't know. That's freaking hard already. Well, and I think like (laughs) culture puts a lot of pressure on us as moms, right? Like you have to do do. all the things. 
All the things. You have to cook. You have to clean. You have to have a job. You have to be a good role model. You have to make sure your kid's doing all the sensory input and all the crafts and working on their speech and working on their physical development and working on blah, 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 blah. blah. The list goes on and on. And this is just stuff that's like tactile and in front of us. This doesn't even have like the mental load, right? It is. Plus get your body back after baby. Oh. Oh, yeah. Let's just talk let's about that little forget. pressure. Let's not forget. Oh, you leave the hospital and you should be you back to your pre-pregnancy You can't look like you had weight. a baby. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't you dare come in here looking like you had a baby. Don't show okay. off your stretch marks. I mean, Dear God. people are crazy. Like some people of the stuff crazy. I see on the internet from people and how mean they are. I'm like, yeah. listen, dude. And it's always <laughs> the men that are saying this stuff. And you're like, or it's like women. Really? Who are I like, feel like it's women. Okay. Or it's women who've never been pregnant and they've never yeah. had the stretch marks and they're like, oh, why do people show off their stretch marks? Listen. Yeah. And reminder that stretch marks you, are very genetic. So. Yes. And they're controlling people. They're fine, guys. We all got them. We all got, I got stretch them. Marks. I, was trying, whoop, whoop. I was showing Jesse. So I never got stretch marks in my stomach during pregnancy. But I, when I hit puberty, man, my hips and my thighs. So I have stretch marks on my thighs and I'm hips sure that's from a puberty. Song. My hips, my thighs, my, right? My hips. My <laughs> no, there's a really, there's a really that. dirty song that, that I think you're that thinking what I'm of, talking about? but I'm not mm. going to sing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably I'm going to ignore listening. that one. <laughs> Maybe I was listening to like the kids bop version or something. Yeah, I mean, um, I know that this is explicit now, yeah. but. it's too far it's too far (laughs) um yeah no back to your idea of like okay being an intuitive eater to raise an intuitive eater i made a post a while back that said hot take you can't raise an intuitive intuitive eater if you're not one Mm -hmm. and i want to expand on that like modeling behavior is so important we can do all the quote-unquote right things say all the right things yada 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 literally if you're not doing it your kid is going to follow suit to what you are actively doing in the home yes that doesn't mean you have to be a perfect eater okay you don't have to be perfect you don't have there is no such thing as a perfect eater you have to be Mm -hmm. actively chasing after being an intuitive eater for them to follow suit and i think that's really important to make that distinction like you don't have to have it all figured out you don't have to be a great Mm -hmm. intuitive eater you don't even have to feel good about it but showing them that you're going to sit down and eat with them model the behavior sit in Mm -hmm. front of them eat with them make your food look the same all these sorts of things I talk all about over on Mom and Mirdi, and I actually have a podcast. If you guys are interested in more yes. of like the kids stuff, come check out my podcast. It's Nutrition for Littles. I'll make sure to link it down below. Um, fifteen minute episodes, like super tangible. Like here's your tips for today. You know, like mm-hmm. walking away in fifteen minutes. And if you put me on one and a half times speed, it's like eight minutes. So yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's good. I like that it's like short and sweet and short, to the point, yeah. and like it gives you good tips and. Um, I'm just going to plug, shameless plug, Alyssa's Table Talk program. So I'm in it, oh, yeah. guys. I am so not an expert on um, feeding. I have an 18-month-old, and holy hell, am I learning a lot from not only Alyssa, and but his, like, feeding therapist. Like, we've had speech and PT and OT and yeah, everybody helping us with feeding. And it's – oh, my gosh. I did not understand or realize how difficult it was. Granted, I have a son with special needs, so my situation's a little different, but – um, yeah, I'm in our table talk program and we just had our second coaching call and oh my gosh, like it was so good. I feel like I learned so much this week. I'm still catching up on all of the videos because guys, she's putting in all these videos too. Um, <laughs> there's a lot. So there's a lot. I mean, it's, it's a, yeah, it's definitely like a ton of information thrown at you, which is awesome because you can just go back and like 
I'll definitely be going yeah. back over the next year and like re-listening and learning. But um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard. It's hard. It's hard to know everything. It's hard to feed kids, you guys, especially when you're working on your own relationship with food and like. It's a lot going on, but here's the thing is you can't really get it wrong. As long as you are offering regular meals and snacks to your kid, you're doing it right. That's what I love to tell mm-hmm. parents because it takes the pressure off. Like it's okay if not all your food is organic. It's okay if you're not a perfect eater. It's okay if you're still learning how to feel safe around certain kid foods and you feel uncomfortable giving your kid goldfish or whatever. There's so much going on. Take a deep breath and remember that as long as you're feeding them, you're doing it right. It's my favorite thing to remind parents of because we can take small steps in a direction to support their relationship with food and their body moving forward, but it doesn't have to be done all right now. Like just what Brooke said, my program is a four-week program, but you have access to it forever. So she can go back and watch whatever she needs to later on when she's ready to digest a little bit more information and move forward in that direction. It's okay to take it slow. So, so, so far we have the division of responsibility, the modeling, the behavior and model like physically modeling how to eat that your food looks the same. This is what food looks like. This is how mom responds when she's eating. But then also, and this goes into what I was just kind of talking about is setting a meal and snack schedule. This Mm -hmm. is really confusing for people that are intuitive eaters because we don't recommend a meal and snack schedule for an adult. Because we want you to tune in with your hunger. Well, we do initially when you're not eating enough to teach yourself. Yeah, when people don't have hunger fullness cues, you might have to set up a meal and snack schedule for you so that Mm -hmm. because you may have lost that ability. So yes, in extreme cases for sure. But it can be kind of counterintuitive. And the reason why this is, is because kids aren't trying to unlearn diet culture. They haven't already felt extreme restriction. They may have felt restriction here and there, but they are born intuitive eaters. So we set them on a meal and snack schedule that makes sense for their age, makes sense for their activity level, makes sense for them, and support them in that so that they build a feeling of feeling safe and secure with food. They know there's going to be another eating opportunity after nap. They know there's going to be another eating opportunity after breakfast. You know, they're going to have snack time. So you want to set that up to support your kid. What I do recommend just quickly here without getting too much into detail, at least three meals a day, bottom line, after one year of age, three meals a day and minimum one snack offered a day, but up to three snacks. So that's six eating opportunities for most kids that you're offering them. So that's really to create a secure, safe environment. And because their bellies are tiny, they're going to get hungrier faster than you and I would because their stomachs are physically smaller than ours. So they're only able to fill it up so much. Yeah. The other thing with kids is to expect their intake to change all the time because they're growing like crazy. Mm -hmm. The first year they're taking bottles, they're eating solid foods, they're eating what feels like every time you turn around. That's totally normal because that is the biggest growth year of their entire life. Then they slow down a little bit, but it's still pretty crazy from ages one to five. And then it slows down even more and then it's slower growth. But then you hit adulthood and your days may look way more similar because we're no longer growing. You know, we're not going through these crazy growth spurts. But kids don't grow linear. It's not a straight line up. It's one day they shoot up, you know, they come out of bed and you're like, whoa, how did you just grow so much? You look huge today. Like all of a sudden you just gain like 16 inches, you know, it feels like overnight. And then some days they're not growing at all. They're plateauing. So they might not eat almost anything or they might be getting sick or teething or they're constipated or they're stressed about something. So many things affect their intake and they let it affect their intake because they're intuitive, but that can be really scary for parents. So I want to assure you that's completely normal. So those are my biggest tips for you guys is 
division of responsibility, following that to a T, setting up a meal and snack schedule, modeling the behavior, and creating that safety and security around food. Those are the biggest takeaways we can do in a 20-minute episode today. If you want more information, come hang out with me, Mom and Mary I talk all about this all the time, and Table Talk will be opening in the fall. So that's what we got. But those are the big like takeaway tips that you can actually like make some changes today <laughs> moving forward to raising an intuitive eater that supports them being an independent eater that listens to their body and isn't just eating foods to make you feel better or more comfortable or anyone around them more comfortable. They're eating physically for their own body, which is what we want, right? Totally. Yeah, exactly. Boom, boom, boom. It's, it's, it's important. And yeah, back to the meal and snack schedule quick. Yeah. If you are currently restricting and counting calories, um, it probably, you know, it might be a good idea to kind of set a meal and snack schedule just to get in the habit of nourishing your body. You're saying for yourself, like for yes, mom. For, okay. For yeah, mom. yeah. Yep. Yep. Because, um, if you, a lot of times, like if you're only eating one meal a day or two meals a day, it's, it's, it's not enough fuel. And for you to totally. perform as the best mom and not be hangry, um, you may need to just like kind of get in the habit of like actually eating three meals a day consistently so that you even if you just want to be an average mom like I am you know Ah. you still need to be nourished (laughs) you need fuel to put out all the fires that you put out as a mom (laughs) no I think that's a good point to say you know this meal and snack schedule that I recommend you implement for your kids that's for the whole family every though everyone in the family should be following that meal and snack schedule generally um first of all they do way better with eating and development long term if they're eating alongside people and having that connection as well but like brooke said like if you're skipping meals because you're so stressed about the kids like they're gonna see you doing that they're gonna pick up on that and maybe for you that means you have to set a reminder in your phone like oh i don't want to forget to eat lunch i need to nourish myself or breakfast or whatever that is for you like oh it's nap time i better get my dang snack (laughs) so my children don't don't steal it. Um, yeah. Set a timer in your phone to remind you to eat. Same thing, three meals a day minimum, up to as many snacks as you want, you know, but you want to yeah. make sure you're nourished. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, definitely. So cool. Well, I think that was um, a lot of good little takeaways. And I know you, I could talk on. hours about this, so I don't want to like continue on, but I literally can talk about this forever because it's so important. It's important to set our kids up for success, give them structure. I know boundaries can feel really scary around food, but it's actually really important for our kids to learn the boundaries that are set in place around food and any other sort of parenting. Like I think any parenting expert out there is going to say, yes, boundaries are important because that's where they learn because they feel safe. They feel taken care of. They know that their needs are going to be met and they're not going to be restricted on food or anything else. So set those boundaries, follow through. It's, it's a journey, you guys. It's a journey, <laughs> but yes, it's it totally worth it. And if we can arm our kids, like Brooke and I were talking about this, we did actually a live. It's on our Instagram TV. If you guys want to go check it out, it's mm-hmm. so, so good. Um, about raising intuitive eaters. I or, think it's on, on my, your life. I think it's you're on right. your life. Uh-huh. It's on Mama and Me RD's IGTV. So check it out there. Um, but we talk about this, like arming our kids against diet culture. Like, This is what we want. We want them to go into the world of diet culture and when it penetrates them or tries to, they're like, uh, fuck no, 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 no. (laughs) That's how we want them to respond. Like we want them to feel so confident in themselves, their body, their abilities that when diet culture comes a tapping on their door, they are a hard pass. So, right. That's what I want. Anyways, we can do our best. Obviously our kids are going to do what they're going to do, but that's the hope. Of course. For sure. So, 
Oh, I feel like I just like got up on a soapbox, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's, yeah, fine. it's fine. You cool. guys, thanks for tuning in, you guys. Yeah, thank you so much. We will be back next Tuesday. If there's ever a specific topic that you want us to cover that we haven't yet, feel free to just send us a direct message at diet.writers. We hang out on Instagram most of the time. Um, so if you're trying to email us, you're probably going to get a quicker response by sending us a DM. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're we're okay at email. We're really good at DMs. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I wanted to, while I have you guys here, read a quick review, oh, a little yeah. listener shout out. Well, yeah. we can. Um, you guys are so kind. When you guys write us reviews, it means so much to us. It helps our show so much. And now we're going to be reading reviews on um, on the podcast as often as we can. So you might even get a shout out. So please scroll to the bottom on iTunes if that's where you're listening and leave us a written review. It means so much to us. So this one is a listener shout out to me, Raider. I'm me, Raider. Me reader. I don't know. I, I'm not going to be able to say it right. Me reader 33. It says, thank you. Five stars. Boop, boop. It says, thank you. Thank you for being a voice of reason. Thank you for reminding me that there's nothing wrong with my body or how I feel about myself or food. Okay. I shouldn't read these because I'm going to cry. <laughs> uh, from now on, Brooke will read them. Thank yeah. you for telling me it's okay to struggle. It's normal and it doesn't have to be this way. I am so glad I found this podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank Yay. you so much. You guys literally make me cry. I've read that one before. Like I I, I first found that one at night at like 1 a.m. in the morning and was like, oh, this is so nice. <laughs> and I read it again on air and now I'm crying again. Like, okay. Yeah, she really Compose. does cry. She just, those postpartum <laughs> hormones, man. I know it's been a year. Yeah, let's blame that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just emotional, okay? She, yeah. From now on, Brooke will read them. She doesn't oh, cry. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> She's cold-hearted. I'm cold-hearted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next Tuesday. Yeah. Bye. Bye. See you later. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> see you later. <laughs>